Now, if you haven't been with us the last few Sundays, uh, then here's how we started the beginning of the year. We, we're in this series, you can see up here on the banners, uh, in a series called Give, Pray, Fast. Do you mind saying that with me? Give, Pray, Fast. And th- this comes from Matthew 6. If you ever study Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in the middle of it, he begins to talk about practices that his followers and that he himself practiced, and that you and I, that if we'll practice them the way he teaches, will grow. Uh, and these are things that over the years people have practiced not in the way Jesus taught, and it's led to all kinds of confusion. But if you're following along uh, in the notes there, here's the sentence for our series. When we give, pray, and fast as Jesus teaches, not if, but when we give, pray, and fast as Jesus teaches, it brings reward. That's what he says repeatedly in Matthew 6. Your father in heaven, will reward you when you give, when you pray, when you fast in the the spirit that I'm teaching. Now, uh, just so you know, this is a nine-week series, so we spent the first two weeks on giving, we're going to spend five weeks on praying, and then we'll spend the last two weeks on fasting. So this is the second week of the praying part, so we're in week four. And what I want to just explain here is this, that we're, gonna, we're trying to do everything in our power these five weeks to explain prayer as simply as we possibly can so that somehow we as a church can actually do it. Um, one of the things that came out of the Reveal study, Brian shared it last week, is when we took the survey last year, a number of you said, you know, I have a desire to pray. I, I really would like help knowing how to pray uh, and, and there's still so many things I don't understand, so, so many things that I want to learn. So we're going to do our best. Now, so I'm going to, I want to just, I want you to see, in fact, if you want to follow along the notes here, here's what I hope you'll see. Jesus wants to transform our understanding of prayer. Jesus wants to transform our understanding of prayer. Now, like I already said, I urge you, if you didn't listen to Steve's message last week, get the CD, go online, listen to it, because he talks about some of this. Last week, we saw that in Matthew 6, Jesus goes, some people think this is what prayer is about, that it's about a show. Some people think that it's using lots of words, and somehow if you use lots of words or just the right words, you'll bribe God. Some of us think that prayer is just about using him as a vending machine. Come on, that's not prayer. And so he demystifies prayer. And then he says, but here's what prayer is. It's praying to your heavenly father. And if there was any takeaway for me last week, it's this. The prayer at its heart is communing with our heavenly father. It's connecting with our heavenly father. So today, if you already felt nervous about prayer, I want to push you over the edge. Okay? And here's how I want to do it. I want to read a Bible verse right there at the top. And I want to show you that Jesus wants to demystify how we think about prayer. Because when you first hear it, it sounds impossible. Okay? So let's read it together there. I've listed actually four paraphrases or translations side by side. Let's read it in that first grade box. Pray all the time. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. And if you want to actually look it up, in the last 50 pages of your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, you'll see it. Now, in my Bible, in the NIV, and by the way, if you're using a black Bible, it's page 826, 
It's just two words in the New International Version. Pray continually. When I was growing up, it was pray without ceasing. Now, can I just, you know how sometimes we say, you know, when you think of the word prayer in the dictionary, whose picture would you put there? A lot of times, just to be totally honest, I never, ever, ever could picture my picture next to a word like prayer or pray. And I definitely wouldn't see my picture going next to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. What? I mean, that just seemed like for monks and extra credit Christians. I mean, I just couldn't understand that. And then Jesus used somebody to change my mind. When I was in college, I, I love my grandparents. And I looked for opportunities to be with them. And so I had a couple days off. And I drove uh, to Joliet to be with my grandparents. At that time, we were living in the suburbs of Chicago. And I drove to be with them for two or three days. And my grandma and I were downstairs in the basement working on a project on the pool table. Now, my grandma, if you knew her, you would know she's as ordinary as any other person. She wasn't like this, but, but there was something about her. So as we're working on this stuff, I see her lips moving. And I hear her. Now, she always called me Jeffy, okay? Not many of you can call me that, okay? <laughs> but she would just say, she would say, thank you, Lord, that Jeffy's here, and we get to do this together. Show us how to do this, Lord. We just want you to be a part of this. And she kept praying, and sometimes she would be talking, and sometimes, but I could just tell she was doing this dual tracking thing. And I remember thinking to myself, we are miles from a church building. Like, why is she praying? I mean, this isn't even important in the scheme of history, what we're doing on this pool table. But I realized that for my grandma, she believed you can pray all the time. You can pray about everything. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I think I... I think I could learn to do that too. And Jesus used her, and not just her, many other things, to show me it is possible. It is possible to learn how to pray. But here's the thing I want to hope you see today. The only way it's possible is if he helps push away all the confusing, misleading things we think about prayer. Our definition of prayer is often what keeps us from praying. Have you ever noticed that if you've got a certain working definition of prayer, then you go, I could never be like them. I could never be like that. But once Jesus changes how you think about prayer, then all of a sudden you go, I think even I could do that. And that's what I hope you'll see today. So I want to kind of walk you through some of the process that's been helpful to me, some of the ways that Jesus has helped transform and is helping transform my understanding of prayer. But the first thing I want to just read to you is this. Some of you have read the book, The Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. We don't even know his last name. He's just called Brother Lawrence. And here's what he writes. For many years, I was bothered by the thought that I was a failure at prayer. Then one day, I realized I would always be a failure at prayer. And I've gotten along much better since. You know, the truth is, um, as Thomas Merton put it, we do not want to be beginners. But let us be convinced of the fact that we will never be anything else but beginners all our life. 
So here's the thing. I am not standing up here to tell you I've got prayer mastered, but I am learning to practice it. And the things that I'm learning about prayer, I'm praying that somehow I can convey in such a way that you walk to your car today praying. That you walk to your car today saying, I think this week is going to be different because of some of the things that I heard and learned and God was showing me today. So I want to just pray that he'll use this time somehow. That he knew way long time ago that I was going to be up here instead of Steve. And that he knows what we need today. So let's just pray. God, as we learned last week, we just want to acknowledge that you're way out ahead of us. That you are a great God. You are always previous. And I pray, Lord, that you would show us how we can understand prayer differently. Break the prayer barrier so that we can actually practice it and that it becomes real in our lives and it's not just theory or for someone else. Or one more thing to add to our heavily burdened life. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so first let me just talk to you about how Jesus taught prayer. First, he taught that prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. So do you see that section there? And here's the truth. If I was to be honest, until I heard my grandma praying like that, and it wasn't the first time I'd seen other people do that, but for some reason God used that particular day to just clear away the haze. I honestly thought prayer is a ritual. It's something you do occasionally. And when you do it, it's very ritualistic. And I'm not saying that it never has any of that. I'm just saying that it's way more relational than ritual. And that's what we talked about last week. So if you're following along, this was a big idea from last week as well. Prayer is learning to be with our Heavenly Father in every situation. Prayer is learning to be with our Heavenly Father in every situation. Prayer connects us to God in a vital way. And so it's learning how to be with Him. And again, some of us, we, you know, we may have all kinds of hangouts. We may say, well, I'm not worthy to be with Him. You're right. I'm not either. But He's made us worthy. He's made us. He's opened the door for that. And as Steve said last week, it's an invitation. He invites us. He says, I want to be with you. Do you want to be with me? And so prayer is learning how to commune with, to be with, to connect with our Heavenly Father, not just in one situation, but in every situation. That's what hit me about my grandma. She was praying about a situation that I never, ever thought was something you do with prayer. We're doing this. This isn't even spiritual. That was my thought. And the Lord says, why do you make things so sacred, sacred and secular? Why do you do that compartmentalizing? All of life is spiritual. All of life is sacred to me if you give it to me. And so I started understanding that. And so that leads to this next idea. Jim Simbola, some of you know uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle. He's a pastor, and they have a prayer ministry there that's really uh, been influential uh, in our church and other people's lives in our church. But here's what he says. What God wants most, if you're following along, is our attention. What God wants most is our attention. Now think about this. If prayer is how we can be with our Heavenly Father, and what He wants most is our attention, then most of us go, look, 
look, I, I, I want to give you my attention, but I got so many other things begging for my attention. Some of you, I'm conscious every Sunday you walk in here. You walk in here in pain, either from getting older or from some things that God may eventually heal or things that are happening. But some of you, like my mother, live with chronic pain. So for you to sit in a message like this is a sacrifice. And the pain is begging for your attention all the time. And so how does someone like you learn how to do that? These are mysteries, but God says you can learn by giving me attention while you're, that's begging for attention. I can help you with that. And so some of you, you are in a job situation where a bunch of people have moved on and more load has been piled on you. And you're trying to figure out how you're going to give God the attention that he wants when you got all these other things vying for attention. Some of you got little people running around your feet saying, mommy, 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 or daddy, you get, you know, all that stuff. How do you do this? And I want to talk about this today. But what God wants most is our attention. So here's the verse that God used a little bit later in my life. When I became a pastor, and by the way, isn't that the humor of God? <laughs> that he called me to be a pastor. <laughs> but when I became a pastor, I remember one day I was so burdened there were some tough relationships in the church I was involved in. In Iowa, there were some things just bugging me. So I decided, I drank coffee in those days, I decided to walk down to the nearest uh, gas station about a quarter mile away and get some coffee. And on my way down there, God put this sentence in my mind that I, I guarantee you, I didn't go looking for this. It came to me. Proverbs 3, 6, it's listed there in the notes. Do you want to read it with me? In all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And as I'm walking down to get some coffee, I have this sentence go through my mind. Jeff, would you acknowledge me with this situation? Now, that should have been obvious to a pastor, shouldn't it? But it never occurred to me. I was so busy working it out. I was so busy working it through, trying to be clever, trying to come up with a solution, trying to manage it. And the Lord says, Yo, right here, I want your attention. Give me your attention. Talk to me about this. Acknowledge me. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, you've got other things to do. Busy goes, you, you, don't, you don't know how great I am, and you don't know how much I want to be involved in your life. So acknowledge your ways, acknowledge me. And that leads to this next thing that I want to help, that I think may help, be helpful to you. And that's this. Prayer is talking to God, but so much more than talking. Here's why most of us, when we hear pray continually, pray all the time, never stop praying, pray without ceasing, most of us, you know what we picture? We picture, how can I talk that much? Right? Now, I'm married to an introvert, so she was lecturing me this week about how when she thinks about prayer sometimes, it's overwhelming to her because she doesn't talk that much to begin with. And talking about stuff in your life that's very private and things like that doesn't come easy for many people, right? So many of us, when we hear pray, we immediately go, oh, I'm not very good at communicating even with human beings. How am I going to communicate with God? But prayer isn't just about talking. It is talking with God. 
But you know what? What else is it about? It's about listening. And sometimes it's just being with. Have you ever thought about this? Where your thoughts, where you were just able to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get some breakfast now. And I want to learn how to just see breakfast with you. And while we're eating breakfast, show me how I can do it with you. Because it's one of all my ways. Show me. And so again, what I realized is that I've got an overly religious picture of God. More religious than God wants to be. He wants to be involved in even the nitty-gritty little details of my life. Now let me just read to you something I wrote back in those days. And some of you have known me long enough that you've heard this before. But it helped me. I started trying to think about what situations do I not think about praying about or acknowledging the Lord in. So here's what I wrote down. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In times of confusion or uncertainty, acknowledge me. In those situations you think you can handle, acknowledge me. In conscious moments of anger, resentment, or bitterness, no way. Acknowledge me. In the humiliation of repeated mistakes, acknowledge me. In abundance or shortage, in your unwillingness to forgive, in the wake of any financial, academic, athletic, professional, or relational success, acknowledge me. In the midst of subtle or secret temptation, acknowledge me. In disappointment, brokenness, or failure, acknowledge me. In times of pleasure or when things are just fine, acknowledge me. In times of pain, losses, and sorrow, acknowledge me. In times of trouble, panic, or fear, acknowledge me. In those times when your heart is bursting with joy, acknowledge me. In the midst of suffering or persecution, in the hospital, in those times when there is no feeling, acknowledge me. In the joy of new birth, acknowledge me. In exasperation or at your breaking point, acknowledge me. In every stage of grief, acknowledge me. In crisis or unresolved conflict, in the middle of a sleepless night, and even in death, acknowledge me. In your appreciation of the weather or the outdoors, in your selection of art, music, or entertainment, in the doing of your favorite hobby, or when you have to do the most unenjoyable chore, acknowledge me. In paying the bills, in the grocery store, in the video store, in your car, on a date, in the yard, or cutting the lawn, in all your eating or drinking, in your parenting, marriage, or friendships, in times of family fun, in your vacation planning and vacation time, in selecting a career, a mate, or a future goal, in all your decision-making, small or great, acknowledge me. In soccer, basketball, and softball, in swimming, jogging, or bicycling, in tennis, track, basketball, and football, in the sixth fairway or fishing, your favorite lake, in your watching of TV, in the mall, at a restaurant, or on a walk, acknowledge me. In the sanctuary, acknowledge me. In the car, on your way to church, in the silence and stillness, acknowledge me. In the days of your childhood and the days of your youth, in the early years, middle years, and later years, in every stage of your life, 
acknowledge me. In the early morning, mid-afternoon, or late evening, in summer, fall, winter, or spring, acknowledge me. In your workplace or break room where my name goes unmentioned, in your car, in the dorm room, classroom, or school hallway, in the bathroom or shower, in the kitchen or bedroom, wherever you are, wherever you are, acknowledge me. In all these, God says, turn to me, confer with me, thank me, obey me, trust me, yield to me, love me, respect me, bow before me, share with me, think of me, give yourself to me, enjoy me, for I am your God. And I started realizing that God's invitation is so profound that he wants me to learn how to do everything, and I mean everything, with him. Now, do I? No. And next week we're going to talk about things that can block our prayers and make them ineffective. But today I want to talk to you about what can make our prayers real and effective. And one of the things I want you to see if you're following along is this, is that Jesus says his Holy Spirit will help us pray. Jesus says his Holy Spirit will help us pray. If you look up here on the screen, you'll see John 14, 26. Here's what he said the night before he was crucified. I love the fact that he was thinking of ways that he could encourage us. But he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you what, friends? Let's read that two words. All things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of prayer in us. He's the one that prompts us and says, acknowledge him. What about this? Turn to your heavenly Father with this, and he is the one. And again, friends, I want to just stop. Well, I was, I, I didn't even know I was going to be talking with you this week, but the Lord just seemed to be impressing on me this. I know that in a church this size, because I've been one of you, that it's possible to go to church all your life and be a church in and never having been born again by the Holy Spirit. You may have been baptized, you may have prayed prayers with family members, but you know in your soul that you don't have that supernatural change and connection that God brings about when a person is truly born again. And so all I want to say to you is this. Don't live beneath your privilege. The Lord wants every person to have the Holy Spirit. This is not for, this is not for you know, comparison. In fact, look at this verse. Look at Luke eleven thirteen. I love this verse where Jesus says this. Do we have that verse you're putting in this morning? There we go. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, Jesus says, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you're sitting here today and you know, you say, I've gone through all kinds of religious motions, but I have never, ever had God transform me and make me a brand new person. I know the Holy Spirit is not yet living in me because it's all about my effort all the time, and it's just a push all the time. And I need the helper. I need the Holy Spirit. 
And the Bible says is that when you and I repent and are baptized and we believe in Christ and he forgives our sins, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at that moment. Doesn't mean we understand everything about him. Doesn't mean that we're always led by him. But he now comes to live in the heart of every believer. And he's the one that can help us. He's the one that reminds us. He's the one that prompts us. He's the one that allows God to whisper across the ticker of our mind things that are from God and not just from us. And so prayer is a supernatural conversation. It's not just a human being talking to God, but God is interacting and he is doing it through the power and the work of his Holy Spirit. And I pray again that if you've never received Jesus like that, that's what he wants you to know. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit. That's why the Father sent the Holy Spirit to help us. So this isn't just a total. Now, we still have a lot to learn, but the Holy Spirit's going to help us. Make sense? So here's what I want to talk to you about. By the way, I've often thought, how does the Holy Spirit help us? <coughs> when I was younger, all this talk about God, I mean, I'd see other people, they'd talk about God like he was so personal. I remember thinking, that's great for you, man. He seems so distant and so disconnected for me. And so I remember thinking to myself, something's different about me and them. I see my parents, and I realize they know God differently than I know. And so um, one night, I remember, I said to the Lord, Lord, I, if I, I read my Bible, I do some of these things, but unless you open my eyes, unless you show me, I'll never know. And uh, a few months later, when he really transformed my life, oh my goodness, I knew something different had happened. It was a gift. And then after I got to know that change in my life, I remember that one night, as a teenager, I said, Lord, would you help me think about you all the time? I thought that was the boldest prayer I could ever, I thought that's an impossible prayer to answer. And a few months later, I realized that for weeks, the Lord had been on my mind all the time. And I remember thinking to myself, man, alive, what's happened? I never imagined that my life could, could change like this. All I'm trying to say is God can do more than we imagine. He wants to help us. He really does want to help us in prayer. So now I come to the phrase that I wanted to use for the title of this message called the wonder of with. If I've learned anything about prayer is that prayer is learning to be with our Heavenly Father in every situation. But it's this wonder of with. Where do I get this? Well, if you look up here at the screen, Mark 3.14. When I was a youth pastor in the 1980s, I had a chance to go up to Chicago, and then the U.S. Senate chaplain was a pastor named Richard Halverson, Dr. Richard Halverson, and he talked at one of the sessions I went to, and he talked about how in the early days when he was trying to learn how to be a pastor, he asked God to show him some things that would help him minister, especially to the men in the congregation. So he says, God one day showed him these phrases in two verses, Mark 3.14. It says, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And he said he appointed the 12, why? That they might be with him. There's something that happens when we're with Jesus, when we're with the Heavenly Father, when we're with the Holy Spirit, that can't happen when we're not. And there's this idea of being with. So then he says, Acts 4.13, he saw this. This was after Jesus had died and, and, and rose again and, and ascended into heaven. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been what, friends? 
with Jesus. Now, if the goal of prayer is to be with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in this kind of way, to learn how to walk with him in every situation, then, wow, he said, I, he started calling this the wonder of with. That things happen just by being with Jesus in every situation we go through instead of trying to do it without Jesus or without the Heavenly Father working in our lives. And I found that to be the same exact thing. So if you're following along, Jesus chose us that we might be with him. You go, what else? That's it. That's the main thing right there. He chose us that we might be with him. Now, a lot of us think of religion as getting God to be with us. And he certainly, there's many scriptures that say he does want to be with us. But sometimes the bigger question is, are we with him? Are we, I mean, he's, he's willing to be with us, but are we with him? Sometimes, if you notice, I've found this in my own marriage to Trish. We are with each other. We're married. But sometimes the distance can get to the place where all of a sudden you wake up and go, you know, we're not with each other. You know, in that, in that way that, that, that a team can be at its best. And so how do we, like, you know, bring that back so that we're really with each other? We're with each other because there's something about the wonder of with. All kinds of stuff happens when we're with each other that way. And so, again, <clears throat> some of you know that sometimes that's true in a friendship. Sometimes that's true with the Lord. But the wonder of with. Now, here's the next thing I want to just ask. The whole time I've been talking, have you not been thinking to yourself, Jeff, you're a pastor, so praying is part of your job. You even get paid to pray. You've got time. I've got a different kind of job, or I have different kind of responsibilities, and they aren't set aside for prayer. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to go after that, okay? So here it is. Here's the next sentence. We can all do more than one thing at a time. When you and I here pray all the time, pray continually, or in all your ways acknowledge him, most of us go, I can't do that because I'm busy doing something else. Some of us say, I can't pray at work. I can't pray at the same time as I work. Really? Do you really believe that? Do you realize that you and I multitask more ways than we realize? This is what God began to show me. That my excuses, that my understanding of prayer is that it was a separate thing from the rest of my life was crazy business. That that, wasn't, that was not an, a good understanding of prayer. Is that prayer is not something to add on to your schedule. It is your schedule. That it's incorporated into. It doesn't mean that it comes easily at first. It's something we learn. But that you and I can learn how to pray at the same time. So I've talked about this many times before. But some of you have seen the movie Snow White. Do you remember what Snow White does when she comes to the seven dwarfs house? And she sees how messy it is. She begins to pick it up. And what does she sing with all the forest animals? Whistle while you work. And suddenly, my mind began to take a childhood song, and the Lord said, if you can whistle while you work, you can pray 
while you work. Now look up here on the screen, if you would, at Philippians 4. Some of you have seen this verse. This is the Living Bible that I learned it in when I was in high school. I love this paraphrase. Don't worry about anything. Instead, read that next phrase. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. Now look at it in the New International Version. It says, do not be anxious about anything. It doesn't mean that if you find yourself anxious, you're really messed up. It means don't stay anxious, okay, about any situation in your life, including the most scary, panic-striking things. Don't be anxious. That's not the way to do life the best way. But in every situation, uh, God, are you serious about that? But in every situation, how? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That means that every situation we're in, we can turn into a prayer. That means that every situation, it doesn't mean we do. It doesn't mean we always take advantage of it. It definitely doesn't mean I always do. Even as I'm beginning to understand this, I still have a long way to, to go just learning how to, but I'm growing in this. Does this make sense? And you can too. And so what happens? I, I don't know what the situation might be that's producing, but here's the thought that God gave me this week. If you can worry while you work, you're pretty talented. You can pray while you work. If you can worry while you drive, you can pray while you drive. And you know what? That would be a really good idea for me to pray when I drive instead of the way I drive. The idea is, is that you and I can acknowledge him in all our ways. The question is, will we? When you're miles from a church building, friends, do you realize that you can have a relationship with your Heavenly Father where even the most trivial little things that you think aren't a concern to him or that he doesn't want, he doesn't care about, he does. And that part of what you can do is you can acknowledge him. So a lot of times, it's not unusual for our staff. I, I hear this on a regular basis when we're praying together, either individually with someone or on our staff. We'll start this way. I mean, here's how it's actually changed the way we talk. Because we we're not fancy. We just go, God, right now, we want to pause and acknowledge you. We just, we haven't been giving you our attention. That's what you want most. But if you want our attention with this, we're going to give you our attention with this. We don't know necessarily even what to pray. Romans 8, 26 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray. But we do know this, God. The best thing we can do right now is acknowledge you. So sometimes I'll say, would you give this person what they need? I don't even know what they need. Or would you help bring, what do you want to, here's another thing I've been learning. You know, I said instead of talking, that there's other ways to pray. What I've been doing more often is saying, God, what do you think about this situation? God, what do you want to do? I can tell you what I think you should do, but what do you want to do? And, oh God, what are you thinking? Help me see it right now. So it leads to this, this line here. Prayer is joining God and tuning into what he's doing. Prayer is joining God and tuning into what he's doing. Now, let me, let me stop and say something. Last week, Steve helped us understand that if we're going to pray in the right spirit, not only do we need to declare and acknowledge God's greatness, but we need to surrender our lives entirely to him. We need to live realizing who God is and how he's the only one that knows best how our life spins. Therefore, we need to live in an ongoing spirit of yieldedness and surrender and humility before him 
But here's what I've learned. A lot of my prayers over the years were trying to get God to join me. And that spirit is trying to manipulate God. And can I just say, some of you, this is why you're so angry at God right now, is because he's not cooperating. And he's not doing it the way you told him to or hoped he would. And I want to just tell you, I don't know the heaviness of what you're facing. I'm sorry for some of the pain of that. But that's not the goal in life, is to get God to join you. The goal in life is for us to learn how to join God. And when we stop controlling him, when we stop trying to manipulate him, there can be a peace that we'll never know when we're trying to get him to join us. But when that happens, wow, what a difference. Well, let me just tell you in the last 24 hours how this has played out in my life. Yesterday, I needed to get up early, get some extra details done for today, and then get to the men's prayer breakfast. And while I was getting ready, you know, combing my hair, doing all those really important things in life, just, I was just trying to do it with the Heavenly Father. Again, please, I hope you don't hear me say, every minute of my day, I always get this this way. Oh, how many times. But you know what? When I don't get it right, you know what I'm learning? The best thing to do is to start doing it. Right then, say, okay, I haven't been acknowledging it. Show me how to acknowledge you. So anyway, I was just spending time with him. No one was around. It was quiet. And I just said, Lord, you know, is there anything you want to show me? Anything you want to... And again, he showed me that with one of my family members, the only picture they probably have of me is looking at a phone, a computer monitor, or a TV. And he says... I want you to give them more attention. See, as I gave him my attention, he could show me anything else. But until I gave him my attention, I would have missed that. I would have just kept skimming across life. I would have kept hydroplaning across life like I'm so talented at doing. And he wanted to show me something that's really important to somebody. And I'm so glad he did that. And I also, the other day, went to a restaurant in town. I won't name what it was, but I went and I saw that my soup portion was a little smaller than I'd hoped for. So I said to the manager, is it possible to get a little more soup? And he goes, no, that's the portion. So I said, well, it seems like, you know, has the restaurant changed the sizes? Because it seems like I'm getting a smaller portion, you know? Isn't this a cool conversation I'm having with him? And so he goes, he goes uh, that's it. And so I walk away. I leave him with that. I go back to the table. I'm with my daughter. And again, just, I'm praying, Lord, that, that was a real mess of a conversation. Because I want you to go back to that guy. And I want you to humble yourself and just say, you know, I didn't mean to bring you down. Thanks for letting me ask that question. And I hope you have a better day. I'm sorry for kind of my edge. And he says, that's okay, man. Now, again, it's just giving God our attention. See, it's just trying to do everything with him. It's turning everything into a prayer. And again, it doesn't mean we all do. Is this making sense? Not if it's like if you're still awake or you're still with me. Okay? So here's the last thing. God wants us to live a uh, rewarding life. That's why Jesus tells us these things. So our Heavenly Father will reward us. So here's what. God promises to reward all who truly acknowledge him. God promises to reward all who truly acknowledge him. If you look up here on the screen, look at Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Look at this verse. Call to me. 
and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know, but all bets are off if you don't give me your attention. You're going to probably miss so many things in life that I don't want you to miss. Commune with me. Connect with me. Experience the wonder of with that can be made possible through your heart and the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart because he wants it for every person, even unschooled, ordinary men and women and children that may never, ever be great in the world's eyes. He wants to teach us how to pray. So here's this last line. How do I need to join and acknowledge you this week, Lord? How do I need to join and acknowledge you this week, Lord? Let me ask you, while I was talking, is there any situation, maybe it's work, maybe it's school, maybe it's at home, maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's in something that no one else knows about except you, that he's been saying, will you give me your attention with this? And you may say, oh, I I did that once, or I did that a long time ago. And he says, will you keep giving me your attention? Will you keep placing this before me? Will you come as you are, not as you think you ought to be? Will you come now? Will you give yourself to me? And if that can happen, friends, I I just got to tell you, if you think you are not spiritual enough, or you are not important enough, or you are not some extraordinary person, He doesn't care about that. What he wants to know is, do you care about him? Do you want to be with him? Are you understanding that if you try and do life independent without him or ahead of him or drag your feet behind him, that you're going to miss what he wants for you? So this is an incredible invitation of prayer. And I want to just, we want to just give you a couple minutes just in this silence to say, God, what do you want to say to me? I have not been acknowledging you with this. And I don't know exactly how to talk about it, think about it, or just be with you with it. But I'm going to put it before you. Here's the situation. I just want to acknowledge you. I haven't done it. I want to do it. Take time to do that right now, if you would.
So as we walk out of here today, this is one step at a time of just learning to how to acknowledge him with the next step we take. So sing this song if you, if you would as a prayer.